Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Thank you for being here on this day in which we honor uh, St. Francis of Assisi. Nearly everybody has heard of Francis of Assisi. I mean, after the Blessed Virgin Mary, he, I think, is the most popular of Catholic saints. He got his statues, you know, decorating many gardens and lawns. Even non-Christians, like St. Francis, the Dalai Lama has offered him as a model for Buddhist monks. So there's no question that Francis has become an icon, even for non-Christians, the first non-European pope chosen in over 1,200 years, a Jesuit at that, broken almost equally ancient tradition when he chose a name that was not that of any previous pope, Pope Francis. Uh, Why did he choose to be called that? Um, Francis is a saint whose story has been told repeatedly and was told repeatedly, uh, especially after his death, I've always been a little frustrated in reading books about the Catholic saints. There are some that are exceptional and take advantage of all the rigorous scholarship that is available. I I think here of Peter Brown's book, Augustine of Hippo, which still remains, in my mind, my favorite uh, biography of a saint. Again, I'm not saying that other biographies don't serve other people's purposes, right? So uh, people enjoy meditating on the lives of saints in different ways. Uh, It's that Augustine of Hippo by Peter Brown gave me almost, gave me personally, almost a tactile relationship to St. Augustine. And I've wanted to have something similar for St. Francis. And it it turns out that there actually has been a biography of Uh, St. Francis in recent years by a Dominican, Augustine Thompson. And I was hoping that we might be able to get him here today, but he's busy. And so I wanted to share something about his work. And I I actually came across uh, a summary of it uh, that he wrote for the Church Life Journal, uh, which is online at churchlifejournal.nd.edu. Uh, but he makes uh, so many good points in, in here about the work that he did in uh, recovering the Francis of, of history, you might say. Um, he found it interesting because he's a member of the Dominican order. And so as a Dominican, actually, he never had much interest in, uh, much less devotion to Francis of Assisi. And he never thought that he would write a biography of St. Francis of Assisi. He thought it was highly improbable. Um, He mentions that there are now no fewer than 238 biographies of Francis that have been published or republished in the last 10 years alone, 25 titles a year. Uh, Can anything new really be said about a man who is so well-known and appropriated by so many different people and so many people, or so many groups that have various interests. Um, so before he found himself doing research on Francis' life, uh, he wasn't quite convinced that there was much that remained to be said about St. Francis. By the time he finished his research, however, he met a man that no one seemed to know, and he had been changed 
by his encounter with Francis. The Francis I encountered, he writes, quote, The Francis I encountered was quite different from those of the early biographer, earlier biographies I had read. Even now, after writing it, uh, by academic standards, the best-selling biography, Francis of Assisi, The Life, I believe that much more remains to be discovered about this remarkable man, and that, when found, it will both delight and challenge us today. In my portrait of Francis, which first came out in 2012, I sought to uncover the historical man hidden behind centuries of legends and appropriations. I found that I had to chart a way through the mass of stories, anecdotes, reports, writings, and interpretations that, from his own time to our own century, confused and distorted our vision of the saint. He he goes on to say that while writing the biography, he was forced to ask a series of questions about our early evidence uh, for Francis. Uh, This is what any historian has to do. First, you ask, who wrote about him? Who gave us texts, written documents? Was it Francis? Was it someone who knew him? Was it someone who had just heard about him? Uh, He points out that, oddly, many modern popular biographies, he found, favor hearsay stories over Francis' own writings. Next, when was the document written? Because within a few decades of his death, in September of 1226, reports and stories about the saint underwent uh, transformations. Uh, He began to be adapted in the memory of the community to new and developing concerns. Um, There was much elaboration, much rewriting that went on. Some stories about Francis were simply invented out of whole cloth, he points out. And then, uh, you know, often these uh, inventions involve miracle stories, and these reports had to be evaluated with special care. Uh, You know, August Father Thompson certainly believes in miracles. Uh, He believes miracles do happen, But because Francis was a canonized saint, and for medieval people, adding more miracles to his biography was not fraud, but was considered an act of homage and piety. So you had to sort through all that, because he's trying to write, uh, give a picture of Francis, which was justified by the existing historical evidence. So the famous wolf of uh, uh, Gubbio uh, story didn't pass the test. Now, it's impossible to prove that that particular peacemaking incident in which Francis tamed a wolf who was terrorizing a small town, I mean, it's impossible to prove that it never happened. Perhaps it did. But as we have it, the tale was only written down a hundred years after his death. Um, too late to accept without additional confirmation, and there was no additional confirmation. It doesn't exist. So to find the man behind the legends, he had to set aside late reports, charming as they might be, even pious as they might be. On the other hand, he couldn't recount. Let me just quote him here. I could not recount Francis's life without acknowledging the perception of miraculous power that surrounded his person after he became a living saint in his later years. And my biography includes plenty of those reports. I also became more and more skeptical of any story in which the man, Francis, was made the mouthpiece decades after his death for a party involved in some debate within his own Franciscan order. 
especially those about the practice of poverty, something that we now know was not even a topic of great debate until at least 30 years after his death. So his reading of the sources for Francis forced him to diverge from, you know, the common story. Uh, The Francis, he said, the Francis I came to know proved a more complex and personally conflicted man than the saint of the legends. Nevertheless, this Francis became for me an amazing and holy man. I found a man who could not be assimilated to some preconceived idea of holiness, especially if it suggested that a saint never has crises of faith or is never angry or depressed or never passes judgment or never becomes frustrated with himself or others. Thompson says, My Francis's very humanity made him, for me and for many readers of my biography, more impressive and challenging than the saint who embodied kind of an impossible type of holiness. Uh, He said, I would also emphasize that my historical Francis is no more the real Francis than the Francis of the legends and popular biographies. Now, this is a very important point, because this is something which is almost always lost in popular conversations about the so-called real Jesus or the historical Jesus. When somebody says they're giving us a picture of the historical Jesus or the historical Francis. That doesn't mean that they're giving us a picture of the real Jesus or the real Francis. They are limiting themselves to the sources that can be justified through rigorous historical uh, discipline and accuracy. And think of your own life. Think of what's important to you in your own life. And would there be enough evidence in your life for a historian uh, 50 years from now to go back and make sure that that was part of your biography? And the answer is probably no. Certain things would be said about you from the record. You know, that people would get your uh, uh, birth certificate, your uh, baptism certificate. They might talk to relatives or friends who knew you, they would talk to people, grandkids, uh, they would talk to uh, far, far away cousins. And what's the real you? So when we talk about the historical Francis or the historical Jesus, we are not saying that these pictures of the historical Jesus or the historical Francis give us the full picture of Francis or Jesus. So keep that in mind. When you hear the phrase historical fill in the blank. When we say that, we're only saying this is what the rigorous use of historical evidence gives us. doesn't mean it gives us everything. Uh, Oftentimes, it doesn't give us nearly as much as we think is really there. I'll give you an example of this, just from the life of Jesus. We have got four canonical Gospels which give us really good really good information about the life of Jesus, all right? Historians will fight over how to interpret various um, um, incidents in the life of Jesus. And back in the 19th century, when this search for the, quote, historical Jesus began, there were many people who expected that they would find a 
uh, a secular Jesus, uh, some sort of first century uh, prophet or moral teacher who uh, was not involved in supernatural activity, but was basically kind of like a 19th century German rationalist theologian. Um, and that's, in, you know, it became funny that people would end up seeing in the historical Jesus <laughs> the Jesus of their own fantasies. In time, 100 years later, everybody recognizes that Jesus was a wonder worker. He was, in fact, a teacher of parables. And there's no finding a Jesus apart from the Jesus who cast out demons and died on the cross.